0: We certainly got issues, and that's why we're doing this series. We're week three into it, and I want to begin this week because we're getting ready to step into some really tricky, divisive stuff. I want to start this week with the reminder of what we've seen each week. And it's almost like even though it's important to each week, it's really, really important this week that we remember that issues are really about people and that we are Christians first. We are citizens second, which means who we are as followers of Jesus should dictate to us how we behave as American citizens. And regardless of what the issue is, whether it's the issue you really care about or somebody else cares about, and it doesn't matter which side of the issue you're on, as we will see today, issues are really, really, really about people that God loves just as much as he loves you, whom Jesus died for just as much as he died for you, and whom God has a plan for just as much as he has for you. Today we're talking about race, racism, racism. Racial injustice, inequality, however you want to describe it. But I want to begin by making you feel very uncomfortable. Are you ready? Right? Like, I'm already there, dude. (laughs) And I know that's the opposite of what speakers, uh, preachers, teachers are supposed to do. They're supposed to ease the audience in, give them some warm water to wade into the, you know, the hot stuff, the cold stuff later. But um, I just, just start this way. It's an uncomfortable question for me, and I think if you're honest, it's going to be an uncomfortable question for you to wrestle with. Here's the question. Who are those people? Who are those people? You know, you know what I'm talking about, like those people. Who are those people for you? It may be different from someone else, maybe different from me, and how I would answer that question might be different from you. But everyone has those people. It's a different group of people than you. And all too often it really comes back to race. The color of someone's skin. Now, I know, I know for you, it's not what it's about. I know, I know, it's about the choices people make and because they, yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah, that sounds good. But if deep, deep, deep down, it's become a lot about race. And maybe it's because of your childhood, the way you were raised. And for all of us, really, we began to form our definition and understanding of who those people were from our parents. We adopted those people from our parents' definition of those people. This might be uncomfortable for some of you because in a few minutes you may begin to realize, oh man, mom and dad were wrong. No, they loved us and maybe they meant well. They were wrong on this. Grandma and granddad, oh oh, no, they were wrong on this. And I want you to have the courage enough to be honest about who are those people. Maybe this kind of got skewed for you because of a history class somewhere or maybe what you've heard in the media or seen in government or just experienced in culture or maybe it's just your own experiences, right? Because of things you've gone through and interactions that you've had, you've developed of those people. We all have. Here's what's dangerous about having of those people. You assume their story. You see them, you watch them, you hear about them, and you fill in the blanks. Oh, I know what they're really about. I know what their motivation is. I, I know what they're going for. I know, wh- I know why they do that. I know why they live that way. I know why they talk like that. I know why they say what they say. Oh, yeah, I know. And you assume the story. And what's even more dangerous than that, once you assume the story, you attach a value to that person and to that group of people. You attach a value to those people. And it's interesting and troubling to me that when we attach a value to someone else in that context, it's always a value that falls a little bit lower than the value we ascribe to ourselves and the people that are like us. This is why we have to talk about it. Because it affects how we see them. It affects how we talk about them and how we treat them. Now, immediately, you may be pushing back and saying, dude, wait a second, I'm not a racist. Are you calling me a racist? I'm not calling you anything. And I'm glad you don't feel like you're a racist. But I want to ask you to courageously not excuse yourself from what we're getting ready to talk about. And that you open your mind, you open your heart to maybe what God wants to show you. How we need to learn and grow together. And maybe others of you are like, dude, we fixed this problem. Are we seriously talking about this? We fixed this problem back in the 60s, the whole civil rights movement. Do you not know your history? Do you not realize? Have you not talked to anybody that was around back then? We fixed that problem. I mean, there's diversity everywhere. Well, listen, I'm not into calling people names, but I hope you're not naive to think that this is not a problem still. And here's the deal diversity does not equal reconciliation. We can be sharing the same spaces and still have all kinds of junk and issues in our heart towards each other that still go unaddressed. And it's almost like this race thing has is, is met a new level, a new intensity in the last five, 10, 15 years. I don't know, have you, have you noticed that? Have you felt that? I, I, I think I'm correct in making that observation. It's like racism is also the underlying issue behind all the other issues. It only is a matter of time before someone makes it about race. And sometimes it's the media that does this and sometimes it's someone else that's been affected by it and sometimes it's somebody in your own home or somebody you work with or somebody you go to school with. But regardless of what the issue is or what happens, whether it's a terrorist attack or an act of violence or another shooting or even a natural disaster like a hurricane, in the aftermath of those things, it's only a matter of time before someone's going to try to make this about a race thing and start, you know, sizing it up according to racial lines. That's why we are going to talk about it. Let me clarify. We're not just talking about a black and white thing not just about black people, black people and white people, white people, black people. No, this is all races. Our world is getting smaller. The spaces we share are becoming more intimate. We're all up in each other's spaces. This is no longer just about one or two. This is black, white, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, Middle Eastern, all the races. By the way, this might be a good time to point out that you, I I hope this doesn't take you by surprise, but let me just go ahead and pop the bubble. Jesus is not white. (laughs) You okay? Everybody (laughs) breathe. All right, I got one more for you. He's also not an American. (laughs) Now, I'm an American, and I'm grateful to be an American. But okay, the reason I have to point that out is because without realizing it subconsciously and without seeing it, a lot of us just assume Jesus is like us. Yeah, my Jesus, my Jesus. Oh, well, Jesus is Jesus. He's not white, he's not an American. But this race stuff, man, it's, it touches every part of life. Social, economic contexts are affected. Political environments are obviously affected. It's affected the educational environment that our children experience. it's even touched religious environments. Did you know that Sunday mornings in America are still the most segregated time of the week? And it shouldn't be that way. And heaven's not like that, I'll tell you that, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll get there eventually. Personally, my heart's just heavy because of this issue it bothers me bothers me a lot um it's heartbreaking to see what people have endured and what people have gone through just simply because the color of their skin and i know some of you are in your mind you're going well it's not that simple dude there are other issues you're the one that needs to listen you're the one that needs to listen Just recently, I, I, I guess in the last five or six years of my life, as I've gotten a little bit older and understood more about how I was raised and, and how, you know, the life I grew up in, and, and as I've gotten more understanding about what other people have gone through, I, I've realized, I've kind of like I had an aha moment, and I hope you have the same one if this applies to you, that I can admit now looking at my life that there are certain privileges that I have enjoyed. Certain advantages that I have experienced simply because, and and, and, certain, and certain things I never had to deal with. Certain things, I never had to worry about going certain places and doing certain things and walking down certain streets. I never had to wonder and worry about those things simply because I was born into a white Middle-class family in America. Now, some of you don't like that. Some of you are like, oh, no, you did not. Oh, yes, I did. Because whether you want to admit that or not, that's true. At the same time, I, I didn't choose that. I didn't choose that. At the same time, there's so many people that God loves just as much as he loves me, that Jesus gave his life for just as he does for me. God has a plan for them just like he does for me that have hopes and dreams just like me who didn't choose where they were born and what time they were born and what part of the world in which they were born. And their experience has been the exact opposite. Just because they were born into, and you fill in the blank, the disadvantage and the hardship and the obstacles they have to fight from day one before anybody gets to make a choice. No one should experience privilege because of the color of their skin. No one should ever experience a disadvantage simply because of the color of their skin. Now listen, we're not gonna solve this issue today, okay? Everybody take a deep breath. We're not gonna solve this. Today, this is bigger than this moment and bigger than here. And now we, this is a big issue. However, the church must address it. We got to talk about it. And some of you are thinking, you see, you're just making it worse though. The fact that you talk about it and you spend time in church where we're supposed to be worshiping Jesus. now we'll get to Jesus to hang there. You're just making it worse because you're just, here's the deal. I, I hear, and you have your opinion and you're welcome to it. But I can tell you this, not talking about it is not going to make it any better. Not talking about it is certainly not going to make it go away. So let's talk about it. And I want to begin helping us grasp this realization, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a Christian, you need, you need to listen to this. Now, if you're not a Christian, we're so glad you're here. And I think even you're going to agree, even not as a follower of Jesus, you're going to agree with what we see Jesus experience in his life and what he did and what he chose and and what he's called us as Christians as following his example, you're going to agree. But Christians, you're on the hook for this. I'm on the hook for this. Because we say we follow Jesus. So as a result, let's look at Jesus, the one in whom we're following and realize Jesus crossed and erased racial lines. You need to know that as far as Jesus is concerned, everybody were those people. Jesus was unlike everybody. Nobody was like Jesus. They're all sin- we're all sinners. The whole world's sinners. They're all those people. Jesus came to die for those people down there. So he crossed lines, blurred them, even erased them. In the first century, it was a very divided and segregated society. And they were segregated and divided over many issues like class, money, money. Economics was bad. Religion, dangerous. It was so divided, it was dangerous. People would lose their lives often based upon religious differences. And even race, and I almost would say especially race, because you think people in this culture care about who your daddy is, who your mama is, and who your family is, and where you came from, and where you were born, and how you grew up. That was an even bigger deal in the first century. So Jesus. Walked into a charged up culture when it came to this issue, and he busted the thing wide open just with his example. Let me give you three snapshots. Let me give you two up front, and then at the end I'm gonna give you another one that helps us kind of get a better picture of how God sees people. Because see. When you see how God sees people, it helps you treat people as God treats people. And if you don't see people the way God sees people, you'll have a hard time treating them as God treats people in the way he wants us to treat them. Snapshot number one, let's talk about the Jews and the Samaritans just for a moment. In the first century, the Jews lived in Judea primarily and right to the north, geographically of Judea was Samaria. To the north of Samaria was Galilee. And often people from Judea would go to Galilee. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Didn't like each other at all. To Jews, the Samaritans were those people. They were seen as half breeds. But if you were a Samaritan, you saw the Jews the same way. Pious, full of pride, think they're better than everybody else. They're those people. To the Jews and Samaritans, each other were those people. Jews didn't like Samaritans so much that when they needed to travel north to Galilee... If at all possible, they would travel way east of Samaria and go out of their way to go to Galilee so as not to have to go through Samaria and interact with them because you know about those people. When you get around those people, you have to watch your back, watch your back. You have to be careful. You know those people, they have an angle. You don't want to be caught talking to those people. You know those people, those people have an agenda. Those people have ulterior motives. Those people are entitled. Those people, sound familiar? So one day Jesus needed to go to Galilee. And guess what Jesus did? (laughs) He went right smack dab through the middle of Samaria. Just straight up through the middle. That's just awesome. And and, and we're not going to get into all the details. You can read it for yourself and I encourage you to. But it's fascinating all the ripples that caused. Jesus got tired on his journey and he sat down beside a well to get something to drink. And and watch what happened next. John was there, and John saw this whole thing, and he recorded it, and was so glad he did. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. It's a whole different deal that she was a woman, too, because in the first century, there's also a lot of gender division. Sound familiar? Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. (sighs) Did he just say that to her? Did he, is he talking to Did you see that? Oh, wait until TMZ gets this. <laughs> People had their phones out. You know, it's just, it's crazy. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Everybody knows that. It's just common knowledge. Like, what are you doing talking to me? Now, again, I'm not going to get into the details, and this was just snapshot number one, but the conversation that followed was a fascinating conversation. They talked about God. They talked about worship. Jesus eventually in the conversation revealed who he was. He was the Messiah son of God, the savior of the world. She puts her faith in Jesus as savior and gets so excited, she so excited about it. She goes all through the village saying, you got to come see this guy. You got to come meet this guy. He's, he's the one, he's the Messiah. He's the one that we should be worshiping. He's the one sent from God. And so many people came to faith in Christ that day simply because it was all precipitated by Jesus saying, right, I'm going right smack dab through the middle of this place. I, I don't, I cross lines, I erase lines that people try to put in each other's way. <laughs> Snapshot number one. Snapshot number two. Let, let's keep going. Fast forward now. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the church is growing and going, and the mission of the church is exciting. And Peter was one of the leaders of the first church, and what Peter, he had... All kinds of issues with people that were unlike him, and kind of a judgmental kind of guy. And so he was kind of learning the hard way, and he kind of learned that he began to realize, I mean, God is changing the lives of people regardless of what their race is, regardless of what their language is, regardless of where they're from, and and He's saving them and changing them and using them in His mission and in the local church, and it doesn't matter. All these lines of division that we've drawn, He's crossing them. It's like it doesn't matter. And he had a conversation with a guy named Cornelius. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius was definitely one of those people. And after interacting with Cornelius, this is what Peter's conclusion was. He said, I see very clearly now that God shows no favoritism. No favoritism. Well, what does he mean by no favoritism? Well, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. In every nation. Yeah, even those people. In every nation. You see, what Peter was beginning to realize is that we got to start seeing people the way God sees people and we see people the way God sees people, then we'll begin to treat people the way God treats people and the way God has treated us. So let let me help us with this. This whole racial thing will start getting better and healing will start taking place when whoever those people are become my people. Whenever those people, whoever those people are for you become your people. When those people become my people, we're heading in the right direction because see, naturally, I want to isolate from me everybody that's not like me. That's natural, human nature. But that's not seeing people the way God sees people, treating them the way God does because God was unlike all of us. Jesus was unlike all of us. All of us were unlike Jesus and Jesus crossed and erased all of those lines, even the racial lines. And now those people need to become my people. You know, I could take it a step further. I don't have too much time here, but when we begin to realize that those people are His people, then why not make them my people? It's just a natural. And as some of you are thinking, and, and people say this, and they mean well. They're just wrong when they say this. Um, well, you know, God's colorblind. God doesn't see race and God doesn't see color. Well, I, I know you mean well, but that's not right. Of course God sees color and race. He created it. Yes, God sees color. Yes, God sees race. It's a beautiful thing to him. The issue is it's just never, ever a negative. It just never gets in the way. It's just never an issue. Oh, I hear that prayer, but you know they're from there. They're, they're one of those. Put an asterisk beside that prayer request. Not so sure. No. Of course God sees color. In fact, racial diversity reflects the beauty of God's creation. Chew on that one. Racial diversity reflects the beauty of God's creation. In fact, to be quite honest, we're all people of color. All of us. Even me. I know some of you are looking at me like, dude, you're white. What are you smoking? No, 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 no. I just look white right now. But if I get cold enough, I'll turn blue. (laughs) If I get sick enough, I'll turn green. If I get angry enough, I'll turn red. If I stay in the sun long enough, I'll turn a hot pink. Then eventually a nice tan. And as soon as I'm dead long enough, I'll turn an old gray. So I'm a person of color. You just have to wait. It comes and goes, right? We're all people of color, so don't be colored blind. That's a way too low of a bar, okay? Raise the bar and embrace the races. Embrace it. Look at the color. Look at the beauty of God's creation. Look at all the diversity. Look at all of the difference and know how it is a testament to God's glory. Now, to be quite honest, I'm not quite sure what we call each other, That gets tricky, right? You feel that one? Yeah, it's like what politically is correct keeps changing. They keep changing the rules on us and the terms. You can say that, but you can't say that. Well, I used to be able to say that. Now you can't say that anymore. Now you can say this. But I thought this was wrong. I was told I couldn't say that. Now it's okay to say this. And and so what what do we call each other? I I don't know. It's just exhausting. So let me offer a suggestion. Here's what you should call each other. Try this one. How about brother? How about sister? Because that's who we are. I don't care what the color of your skin is. Try brother. Try sister. I don't care where you're from, what language you speak, what socioeconomic group you come from. Like it or not, admit it or not, we're brothers, we're sisters. We have the same worth. The same value, the same creator, the same savior. And I know God must look at us and shake his head and go, Are you kidding me? They're still struggling with this. So I want to give you just two two things to leave with to help you make those people my people. Be aware. Be aware, number one. Be aware of your own thoughts about those people. Because you have those people. Be aware of how you think. Be aware of your feelings. Be aware of your assumptions and your conclusions that you have made, that I have made as a result of those assumptions and those feelings and those thoughts. Just it, you can't change what you're not aware of. You can't address what you're not aware of. So it begins with being aware. Because there may be things in you that maybe from your upbringing that you've just assumed that it's just the way it's always been and you're not even aware it's there. So you gotta be aware that it's there. Here's something that'll help. Here's a challenge for you. Notice and pay attention to your first reaction, your gut feeling. When you hear the news about those people, when you interact with those people, when you hear the story, when you see what happens, when you hear about it, you find yourself going, "Yeah, that's what I thought." Ooh, yeah. What do you expect? Oh, figures. It's the way it always is. You know those people? They're always like that. Oh. If you find yourself reacting like that, you've just uncovered seeds of prejudice and inequality and injustice living in your own heart. Be aware of that and ask God to help you see the things in you that maybe you've overlooked. I love the prayer that King David prayed when he was writing the Psalms and he wrote it into a song. David was becoming aware of the fact that he was unaware of really what was going on in his own heart. He was becoming more self-aware of how we like to deceive ourselves. I'm really good at deceiving myself and so are you. We, We all are classic self-deceivers. We believe our own hype in our own head, you know? We just do. And so David prayed a prayer that sounded a little bit like, God, can you point out to me anything that's lurking in my own heart that I don't see, that I don't know about? Because I want to be clean before you. I love that. Be aware, be aware, be aware, and then be intentional Be intentional because it's not going to go away on its own. It's not going to get better all by itself. You have to be intentional about blurring the lines of race that Jesus blurred, just like Jesus did. Be very intentional and go out of your way to make those people my people. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, it shouldn't have to be that hard. They shouldn't have to try. We shouldn't have to go out of our way. It should just come natural. Well, what planet are you living on? That's humanity. Of course we have to go out of our way to do what's right. Most of the time it does not come natural because we are sinners in our hearts and we are all still in need of a savior. And so I have to learn to be intentional to do what's right. And you have to learn and we have to learn to go out of our way to do this for each other and address any trace of prejudice and inequality that we find. And go out of our way to address it. And go out of our way to heal it. And go out of our way to make amends. And go out of our way and inconvenience ourselves. Because, see, that's how we can show love to each other. Did Jesus not go out of his way for us? Yeah, like he left heaven, exhibit A. And then he says, love each other the way I have loved Let make a couple statements as we begin to wrap up. If you are just fighting mad right now, we're glad you're here. And I hope you come back. But I want to make this clear. Racism is not welcome here at the Summit Church. But if you are a racist, you are. Because we want to help you get to know the Jesus that can change your darkened heart your misinformed heart. Fair enough? Let me say something else. If you have suffered pain because, this is even crazy, just hearing me say this, because of the color of the skin that God beautifully gave you, if you've experienced inequality, disadvantage, or an attack because of the color of your skin, I am so sorry. And you need to know how God sees you. When other short-sighted human beings won't see as he sees and treat you as he is treating us all, then please know the truth is how God sees you. Snapshot number three and we're done. Let me give you one more snapshot. I want to give you a snapshot of what heaven looks like. Because we know, not because I've been there or anything. I'm going to weird you out. Yeah, it was a crazy weekend last weekend. I went to, no. <laughs> Never been. But here's the deal. In about AD, late 80s or AD 90, 92, right in that area, at the end of his life, God allowed John the Apostle to see something nobody else has ever seen on this side of eternity. And on purpose, he told John, John, I'm gonna show you some stuff and it's gonna freak you out and you're not gonna understand everything, but I just want you to write it down. Just write it down, just write it down. And for the next 2,000 years, people will debate what it really means. But, but write it down, just write it down as you see it. Write it down as you see it. And some of it's crystal clear. What I'm getting ready to show you is crystal clear. There's no doubt what John saw. And, he, and here's a snapshot of what heaven an eternity future is going to look like. You ready for this? Sneak peek. I'm going to show you the future. John said, I saw a vast crowd. Too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne of God and before the lamb, referring to Jesus who is called the lamb of God. And look what's happening. And they were shouting with a great roar all at once saying salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. Did you catch that? Let's look at it again. Every nation, every one of them even the ones that you red-blooded Americans are saying, they're doomed to our end. They're doomed. God, God's against them. And we're against. Oh, no, from that nation too. And every tribe, you mean from that tribe, those people? Yes, that one. And every people group, even those people, you know what they, you know what they stand for. You know, yes, and God does too. Some of them are going to be there. And every language, every. That's what heaven's going to look like. And I can't wait. In fact, I can't wait so much. I don't think we should wait to heaven to get a glimpse of that. Now, let me be really transparent with you. As the pastor of the Summit Church, I look around and I'm going, man, we got some issues here. We don't look enough like heaven down here. I look at our crowds. I'm glad you're all here, but we got to do a better job. We got to do a better job reflecting what the reality is in heaven. To be quite honest, we're just way one too color, one color too much, you know. Okay, we're too white. <laughs> is, that, is that clear enough for you? It's just I look around and I'm like, this is not what heaven's gonna look like. And I go out in the community and I'm like, I see all kinds of beautiful color. And I come in here and I'm like, what's what is up? What is? And I get it. I understand. But that means we just have a lot to learn. We've still got some growing to do and some changing to do. You say, well, I don't like that. Okay, well, you you can go to another church. (laughs) My heart's desire is that one day we'll look out on the seas of people that are gathering to learn about God and to worship God and to bring their neighbors that are far from God and we will see black and white and brown and, no, no, better than that. We'll see brown, red, yellow, black, and white because we're all precious in his sight, which means we all have to be precious in each other's sight, which means those people have to become my people and your people and our people. Let's ask God to help us because I know we need it. Let's pray. Dear Father, we are dealing with some very challenging stuff. We've brought this as a human race on ourselves and our own sin. And there's so much hate even war and lives that have been taken over the differences that come from the color of the skin that you gave us when you created us. And God, obviously there are other issues that work into this, but it almost always seems to come back down to that fundamental thing is that we don't look like each other, so we must not be like each other. Father, help me, help us to identify who those people are and be aware of it and then be intentional to cross those lines, to erase them, to make them disappear, and to see the color and embrace the races embrace the beauty of your creation and may the local church lead the way in this community and across this country and across this world. May we now in 2018 begin to reflect more and more what heaven is going to be like on that day when every nation and every tribe and every people and every language stand before your throne in worship and honor of you. May we reflect that even now. And may it start with me, and may it start with us. In Jesus' name, amen.